me tonight. Amen. It's good for everybody that's here. We have some guests with us tonight. Why don't we make them feel welcome in the house of the Lord? Praise God. Amen. We're so delighted and thrilled anytime there are guests with us, visiting with us, and we're so glad to have them tonight. God bless them tonight. I want to start uh, tonight uh, kind of in the same vein that I preached a week and a half ago, almost a week and a half ago. I want to start in Jeremiah chapter 1, chapter, uh, chapter number 1, beginning with verse number 5. Uh, And I'll try to have you out before 10 o'clock. <laughs> Praise God. Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning with verse number 5. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. But the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever, whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Praise God. Praise God. I want to talk tonight for a few moments uh, about... Uh, the church that matters. The church that matters. Praise God. Uh, and this will, I know that's kind of vague tonight, but uh, I, I, in, in subject matter, I want to talk about the value of the church. Um, here, the Lord just brought me back to this, uh, this particular scripture, and I, and I referenced this one scripture, verse number five, uh, last Sunday. But when you read on, it, it sheds a little more light about what the Lord thinks about the ministry of the prophet Jeremiah. And um, there, there's a few things in this particular passage, and we'll read a few more scriptures tonight in, uh, in different places in the word of the Lord tonight. But this particular passage, there's much to unpack here that of what the Lord is doing in his life and the, and the purpose that his life has. How many of us would confess, and I think this is all of us, oh, I don't think it, I know it's all of us. Sometimes we go through phases of feeling very insignificant. And uh, uh, like, do, do I really matter? Does my life make a difference? Do I have purpose uh, in this life is what I'm doing making a difference in somebody's life. Well, I can't, I can't answer that question, but I can answer this question, that your life was designed and purposed to make a difference in this life. We were all designed to do that. Everybody's life doesn't, there are some people that their life makes a negative difference. And there are some that, that live their lives completely for themselves not necessarily making a difference in somebody else's life, but then there's those that give their life to Jesus Christ and, are, and, and their sole purpose is that they would matter. I, you know, if you can really kind of put it all into one, one phrase, I, I, I could go down the specifics of things I would like the Lord to use me to do, but at the end of it all, I want to have mattered. I would have mattered. I, when I stand before God and give account to my life, I, I, it is my prayer that there are people that the Lord points to that are in heaven because I allowed the Lord to use me to help get them there. Everybody will play a different part in the harvest. Uh, but, I, but at the end of it all, whatever my part is, I, I want there for the Lord to be able to say that person, that person, that person, that, and go down a list, not just one or two, but a, but a number of people that because of the Holy Ghost that resides within me and my willingness to be used by God, that they're there because I allowed the Lord to use me. I want to matter. 
I want to matter. And the Lord talks to Jeremiah. He tells him, before I, I, I knew who you were, before you were formed, before you were conceived, I knew who you were, and I had ordained you a prophet to the nations. And there's this, when, when, when Jeremiah is talking back to the Lord, and there's this discourse here, he says, but the Lord, uh, he said, and verse number six, Lord, and then, then said I, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. I don't, I don't believe he's talking about uh, his thoughts and saying I'm too young to speak or I don't have the ability. I'm, I, I believe that part of what he is trying to indicate is I feel like I'm a child. How am I qualified to do what you've called me to do? And I think within every single one of us, there's an element of us that at times, depending on what we are confronted with, we feel like just a little kid. You ever looked around the room looking for an adult, realize you were it or supposed to be it? Then you start looking for an adult that's a little more adultier than you. It's scary when you look around the room and you're like, man, I'm it. But I feel like a little kid. Within ever, I made, I think it was a year, a week and a half ago, I made this statement that within you, within your human spirit, never ages. So there's that part of you that feels like, man, I, I don't, you know, no matter how old you are, you feel younger than you are internally, internally. And then I, and then I believe that there's those of us, because life is difficult, that little child on the inside needs a touch from the Lord. Within every single one of us, because we are fallen humanity, because we're imperfect, there's not one child that escapes childhood without something that we need the Lord to heal us over. Every single one of us. If, if that person exists, you know, find them and bring them to me. Uh, but because humans are humans and it is what we are, every single one of us, when we came to the cross, we needed the Lord to reach down on the inside of me and touch the inner me and heal the inner me because with, with things that happen in life, we get wounded internally and we need the Lord to heal us. And without the Lord healing us, it won't take place. We will continue to carry that wound for, us for the rest of our life. And I know this is, I'm taking the long route to what I'm getting to tonight. I'm, try, I'm, I'm not going to try and go too terribly long tonight. But there's the element of everybody that within us is that inner child. Inner child. And Brother Wright made this statement, and, and the longer I have thought about it, the more I believe it is true. Uh, in, his, in his ministry and how the Lord has used him over, he's 70-something years old and pastored for a long time. Uh, his statement was that he personally believed that, and he throws out this number, he said, I believe that 90% of divorces are the result of one person stepping on the wounds of another person unknowingly. And the, the more I, uh, he said that years ago, and it's one of those things I just kind of filed away in my brain and I, and I thought about it. And when, when, when we grow up in this life that is imperfect, and especially in a situation where the Holy Ghost is not present in the home, and there is turmoil or chaos or just humans being humans, just sinners being sinners, there you know, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. So it only brings one thing. It only brings pain and confusion. And that's all that sin ultimately brings. Aside from all the pleasure, there's things that come in that, you know, whatever. Life hurts. Uh, life, life will th throw some, some curveballs. And because of that, people, it may be a broken friendship. It may be a, a parent that mistreated them. It may be a sibling that mistreated them. And, and that's putting it very nicely. It, it could be a very bad situation. However, uh, whatever the situation is, children grow up, teenagers grow up, and we carry baggage with us. We carry wounds with us that unless the Holy Ghost heals them, and God can and God will, 
if we give it to him, if it goes unhealed, we carry it with us the rest of our life, and then it begins to affect our identity. It, it's not only just a thing that happened to me, it becomes part of who I am. And if I don't get free of, of the things that I have carried, it will, become, it will be interwoven and intermingled with my personality, what I term as my personality. What we're talking about really is the human spirit, the soul, um, who I am. And it will affect who I am and how I do life. It will affect decisions I make. It will affect relationships I engage in in the future. Um, you know, the world is, you know, the, it's so funny. The, the, it, it, it's amazing to me how we still haven't, as a society, figured it out that, that people that, that desire the money, power, and fame of, of Hollywood or something don't take a look at, at movie stars and look at the wrecks that they have become of their lives and say, you know what, I don't want to do that. How many times have you heard or seen or, or an interview or just heard it in headlines or something that somebody that's, that's rich and famous is always trying to go around disguised because they don't want to be noticed? Now, wait a minute. I thought you wanted to be famous. That means you get noticed everywhere you go. Well, the, the human psyche cannot, cannot, literally cannot handle being worshipped. And that's what it is. It is a form of worship when you are noticed everywhere you go for what you have done and people want your autograph, they want a picture with you, it's, it's just what it is. It's worship. The human spirit cannot handle that. The human spirit was not designed to, to be worshipped. The human, uh, our, our inner man, my soul, was designed to worship, not be worshipped. And you have, at the, it doesn't matter how much money you have and how much access to stuff you have, the people are hurting because of life's circumstances, because of broken relationships, ultimately because of sin. It's what sin does. It's what f happens to fallen nature. So you have people that are just, they, they have money, but they just have more money to sin. They just have more money to get, to open up opportunities to be even hurt worse. I, I just saw just a few days ago, maybe, maybe a few weeks ago, uh, a man, his last name is Whitaker. I forget it. Maybe it was John Whitaker. No, that's, is that from Odyssey? <laughs> maybe, maybe it was John. Was it John? John Whitaker. I forget his, I have to look up his first name. He won the, he won the Powerball like years ago, like 20 years ago. It was like a hundred and some million dollars. It was one of the biggest ones, hundred or 200 million dollars. Maybe it's way more than that. I don't know. And it talked about the decline of his life. After he won that money, uh, his well, I think it was his, it was either his daughter or his granddaughter had all the money access, but then she took it and got into drugs, took died of a drug overdose, and uh, it was I mean the list is long of all the things that this money did to his life that more than likely would not have happened had he not won that money. It destroyed it destroyed his family, it destroyed everything. Um, and somebody, you know, we see him on the billboards everywhere. You go Powerball, whatever, the money's up. And automatic, you think to yourself, what would I do with that money? What would I do? Well, the, the sad truth is, is all, all that sin brings, and when money, it, it really, money comes with a curse. And, and it just destroys. That's all it does. There's, there's no amount of money that can, that can take you away from the hurts and the pains and the wounds of life from what somebody may have done or said or, or acted towards you or situations in life that may have changed your life for the negative. But when we come to God, he has the ability to heal that stuff. But within us, that inner child, that inner child that's there, that every single one of us have, that it doesn't matter if it was a situation that I, I've talked to. I, I ran into a family member. Matter of fact, I went to I went to to college in California, and I thought I was getting away from everybody. Come to find out, I've uh, one of my uncles went to that church, and everybody knew my last name when I got there. Like, are you related to Willis Herod? I was like, uh, I don't know, but I'll find out. Come to find out, it was my great uncle. I don't. Anyway. He had passed on, but his, his son lived there, John Herod. And uh, we went out to lunch, and, and um, you know, it, it was a situation where uh, his mother had passed away years before. 
and um, he was grieving the loss of his mother. We got to talking, and it just took just a couple of minutes. And, and grieving the loss of somebody is a little different than, than uh, you know, situations that have happened in life, uh, you know, where maybe there may have been mistreatment. However, it just took a couple of minutes when we were talking, and the tears welled up in his eyes, and, you know, he's grieving, okay? I'm talking to, the, to a family member of mine, and he's grieving the loss of his mother. Well, she'd, been, she'd probably passed away five or six, seven years prior to that, and, uh, but it was still just right there on the surface. So when something, when trauma happens to the human spirit, it could have been 30 or 40 years ago. You start talking about it, boom. It's, it is as real as if it would happen yesterday. And um, because within us, when, when the human spirit is wounded or, or damaged, it's different than the physical body. And here Jeremiah, he says, Lord, I can't speak for I'm a child. And the Lord says, don't, don't say that you're a child. I know you may feel unqualified or you may have reason to believe that you can't do it, but I'm going to put the words in your mouth. I'm going to help you. They were always going to deal with the human element, with the element of feeling inadequate. Always going to deal with the element of feeling inadequate. The moment that I feel adequate, the moment that's the moment I'm going to make a mess of things if I'm trying to do something from, for God. God will always leave us with feelings of inadequacy because that's when he steps in and says, I'm going to make up the difference. And God can do the work. Then That way when the work gets done, we can say, well, I can tell you what, it wasn't me. It was the Holy Ghost that did it. And the Lord begins to speak to Jeremiah. And I, I know I seem like I've taken kind of a left turn here, but just hang with me. It'll make sense hopefully in a few moments. Um, I'm going to put the words in your mouth. I'm going to tell you what to speak. Don't be afraid of their faces, for I'm going, to, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to deliver you. And the Lord is affirming Jeremiah before he starts his ministry because Jeremiah, who was called the weeping prophet, was going to spend his ministry speaking to people that wouldn't listen to him. They would not Listen to him. Now, you know, it's it's I you know, it's my job to do what I do. But I, I, no matter what you do, if you're if you're in sales, if you're doing whatever your job is, and you're making a presentation in front of somebody, and and they're they're receiving what you're saying, and you you know you've you're making a sales pitch, and you're reeling them in. It feels good, you know. They say I guess they say in sales. Uh, 99 no's is worth one yes. You get that one yes, boom, okay. It, it re-energizes you, and it makes you willing to put up with all of the no's. Well, Jeremiah would spend his entire ministry preaching to a people, prophesying to them, acting out different things, and they would reject him. That's all he faced was rejection. God sent them a man, but they would not hear him. The only way he could spend his life preaching the word of the Lord that God gave him was if he was affirmed by God. If he had the affirmation of the God that gifted him, that called him, that knew who he was. And so when you look in the context of all of the rejection that Jeremiah faced through the book of Jeremiah, and then you go back to chapter 1 and you see how God started talking to him and saying, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. You had value before you were ever conceived. And God affirms him. He affirms the fact that his life is not a mistake, that God knew everything about him before he got to that place, and that he had a plan for his life. We look at the success or failure of God using me over a few short, maybe years, maybe sometimes a few months. <laughs> Instead of 20 or 30 or 40 years or 50 years. And God begins to tell him, I know who you are and I've got a plan for your life. I have purpose for you. And the affirmation of God on his life gave him the strength because he knew that God knew who he was. That gave him the strength to put up with the rejection. 
to put up with, with, with all the days that he probably went back, went home, and felt like, well, today was a loss. I preached, I did what God told me to do, but nobody received it. That, that can, that'll zap your, your, your energy level if you're doing what God told you to do and nobody's receiving it. The only way that you can do it is if you know that God approves of you and that you're in the will of God, that you're where God wants you to be, that you're doing what God wants you to do. That will give you the ability to put up with the bad days. Because when, when, you're, when you're living for God, when you're serving God, we know that we have a hope beyond this world. We're looking for all the wins in this life. But there does come a point, and I believe, like I said, I believe God's going to bless us. I believe that our future is brighter than our past. I believe that where, where God is taking us is, is far greater than where we've ever been before. But besides all of that, you can take this world, but give me Jesus. My hope is not caught up in just what God does here, but when you can, you can take this all away, I want to see him. My hope is on that side. We never get away, I, and, and, and I, I want to see the blessing and the favor of God upon everybody. But besides all that, I want to see heaven. We can never lose sight of the fact that everything we're doing is not just so I can get a blessing here, and I can have a good day here, and I can have a brighter day here. The days here will only get so bright but they will pale in comparison to the brightness of his glory when we get to the other side. Every, the purpose for everybody's life is different. God has different, you will, you will deal with different challenges than I deal with. We will not experience all of the same things. There may be some similarities and, and ways that we could compare notes, but everybody's life is different. There are different details. There are different nuances. There's, there's never a situation that I've tried to help somebody through or give them advice through or, or counsel uh, that was exactly like another situation. Every situation is just a little bit different. Your life is different than mine. Our, our position in the kingdom, our, what God is using us to do is different. We have the same common goal, but the nuances and the details of our life are all different. But I've got one thing in common that is the same, that I want to meet Jesus. I want to see him on the other side. And my ultimate hope is still that I'm going to make it to see him. Not just the, the conquest of everything I can do here or the, the wins that I can get here. I want, I want to do everything I can for the kingdom. I'm not, I'm not just trying to make it to heaven. I want to do something for the kingdom of God while I'm here. But ultimately, ultimately besides all this stuff, I want to get there. That is my ultimate hope. And Jeremiah faces a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of resistance. But he had the approval of God upon his life. You've got to know that before you were conceived, God knew exactly who you were. He knew exactly who you were. And he has a purpose for your life. You may not feel like he has a purpose for your life, but hear me tonight, that long before you were conceived, God knew exactly who you were. He knew every, every, single, DNA, uh, every single detail about your DNA makeup down to every nuance and every detail. And he has a purpose for you. But there are some of those things that, that if, I don't, if I don't allow the Lord to deal with the inner me, the inner child, then I, I can never really understand or, or gain an identity that is solely in Jesus Christ. My identity must be in him. Not in, not, in, uh, the, not in my past, not in the wounds of my past or uh, anything like that. My identity must be completely shaped by my relationship with Jesus Christ. Who I am, how I view myself, what I see when I look in the mirror will determine how effective I can be in the kingdom of God. Um, you know, it's, it, it is... It is absolutely important without trying to digress too much. 
The Bible says we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The Bible tells us to put on the whole armor of God. We can withstand the wiles of the devil. Uh, that we can withstand in the evil day. My greatest adversary is not going to be demonic spirits out there. We have power over the spirit world, over demonic spirits. My greatest adversary is going to be myself. And if I do not conquer me, I cannot conquer anything outside of me. It, 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 it progresses in circles, okay? Uh, this has been just in my spirit for weeks, probably months, this next statement, that if I don't conquer me, when the enemy comes against my children, I don't have the ability to defend them because I haven't conquered me yet. So the enemy has free reign against my children. If I haven't learned to pray, I'm not going to all of a sudden develop a prayer life when my children are in trouble. It doesn't happen in a day. So I've got to conquer my flesh today and my will today. I've got to have control over me. I've got to conquer me. I've got to have me under control. I've got to have addressed, addressed the circumstances in my life that keep me from growing. I've got to address them. I can't ignore them and hope that they go away. I've got to address those things within inner me that keep me from growing as a, as a Christian. Because there will come a day where I'm responsible for somebody else. And, and the God of this world is going to come after them. Well, if I, I won't have the strength and the energy, the spiritual energy to defend my little ones if I haven't had the strength and the energy to conquer myself and win battles myself in my own development as a Christian. Is this making sense to everybody? My identity and who I am. This is why my relationship with God is the most important thing to me. It then, my responsibility is to my wife and my children. And this is why we say it in this, in this way is that, number one, my relationship with God is first. Next, i got to get my family to heaven. Well, I'm not going to be a soul winner if, if I'm carnal. So i got to conquer me to put me in a position to be able to help somebody else. Me's got to be conquered. Problem is, is when me is not conquered, then hell comes against my babies, and now I'm scrambling because I haven't conquered me. Man, I didn't tend to get on this tonight. Here we are. This is the long way around where we're going. Um, I haven't conquered me. So I'm a weak Christian, and I, and I don't walk in dominion and authority in my life. So in order to conquer and defend those that are dearest to me against the wiles of the devil. See, my children can't defend themselves yet. They need a daddy. They need a daddy and a mama that can defend them until they are old enough, and, and we have trained them and taught them how to defend themselves. I was 14 when my dad walked me through defeating depression. Right here. Boom. He taught me how to fight my own battles. Now it's up to me. He taught me how he put, the, he, he gave me the knowledge of how to do it. Now it's on me. But he could defend me and help me because he had conquered him. He lives a crucified life. When I live a crucified life and I have conquered and I, and I live in a place of self-denial and my relationship with God is what it needs to be 
and I, and I have determined that myself, I will conquer every enemy within me that keeps me from growing. That's when I have been put in a position to where I can defend others. I'm strong enough to do it. I see it. I know what it looks like. And, and I'm not fighting against my own self just to try to get up enough strength to defend somebody else. It's like, it's like, it's like uh, Samson when his hair was cut off. Delilah says, get up. The, the Philistines are coming. And the Bible says, he said, I will go out as before. But the Bible says, he wist not that the presence of the Lord had departed from him. He was a conquered man and didn't even know it. And now he's scrambling. He was caught. And he's weak. And this is why we as leaders of our homes have got to conquer us. I've got to have me conquered. I can't afford to get cold and carnal because the devil's going to come for my babies. And when he does, I've got to be ready for him. I've got to be ready for him. Man, this is a long way around. So I got to deal with me. I got to deal with the inner me. That could be, it's not just a crucified life and just self-discipline and a prayer life and, and being in the word and, 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 and having my, my, my life in order. But I've got to allow the Lord to search the places of my heart that affect my own identity. Because my personal identity in Jesus Christ uh, is a contributing factor or a non-contributing factor to the body of Christ. The body is made up of many members. We are the bride of Christ. When we leave here and go to our homes, we are recognized as sons of God. Doesn't mess with your theology. Even the females are recognized as sons of God. Because you have the same Holy Ghost, you can have authority in the Spirit just like a man can. There are struct there's a structure of authority, but the Bible says, Now, beloved, now are we the sons of God. You can have authority in the spirit world. Everybody is submitted to somebody. You don't have authority unless you're under authority. That and that that's men, that's women, that's everybody. You you have you have sonship. Meaning something can be passed to you. In the Bible days, daughters, things weren't passed to daughters. They were passed on to sons. But women can receive impartation of the Holy Ghost and things can be passed on to you. Won't get into all that, but the inner me. I, I, if, 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 uh, okay, whatever it is. I, I don't have an example written down, so just give me. It's only 8 o'clock. We still got two hours left. Uh, uh, whatever it is within you that keeps you from being able to be sold out to Jesus Christ 100%. Maybe it's, it, it may be a besetting sin. It may be a besetting attitude, which is, is, has a root in something that God needs to heal or you need to release. It, it, whatever it is. If that stays in your spirit unconquered, it will keep you from growing and it will ultimately compromise a, a believer and will ultimately affect the body. Things, that I, things in my life that I leave unconquered, here's the reality of it. I've got to recognize that the body of Christ is not my body. And what I allow in my life especially me, I am basically saying I am okay with this being in the body. If, if, if I leave areas of my life unconquered or unaddressed, I bring that into the body of Christ as an individual. Man, I'm not trying to plow. This really does have a happy ending tonight, okay? Here's a happy ending here in just a minute. Well, maybe in, in an hour. Uh, I don't have the luxury of hanging on to unforgiveness. It's not Aaron's body. It's the Lord's body. I don't have a right to dislike you. I don't have that right. Because this isn't our little, our little group this is the Lord's body. So if I have ought against somebody, 
I don't have the right to retain it. It's God's body. I've got to do everything I can to bring unity to the body because it's not my body. It's his body. He paid the price for it. He bought me with a price. I am owned by him. So therefore, I, this is where as a, as a Christian, as an individual, as a believer, I've got to look at my life, not just through the lens of what affects me, but as a contributor to the body, I've got to say to myself, how does this not just affect my life? How does this affect the body? I'm not talking about somebody that's seeking after God and seeking to grow. We're forever going to be imperfect and we're going to have flaws and all that kind of stuff. The body will forever be flawed. It's imperfect in our eyes and in the eyes of God. But at the same time, in the eyes of God, he is in love with his bride. He loves his bride. He thinks she is beautiful. And all of her imperfections, he loves his bride. However, as a member of the body of Christ, I've got to view myself and, and look at myself in light of how he sees me and my contribution to the body. You've got to know that if you, if you don't rise up out of poor me, I'll never do anything for God, or I'm just not good at this, or I'm just not this, or I'm just not that. You'll never contribute anything to the body that God intended for you to, con to contribute. Every one of you in this room have purpose. You have powerful purpose. You don't just blend in. You're not just so-and-so that's not very good at this or kind of good at that. No, no, no. Your, your presence has purpose. When you walk through the door and you say, I'm a part of this body, I'm going to bring something to the table. I'm going to bring something that, that ministers to somebody. Every single individual makes a difference in the atmosphere. However, if I retain something that I should let go, or if if there's something in my life that I am that I am avoiding, I, I, what am I bringing to the atmosphere? What am I bringing to the table? I, I, but I've come to tell you tonight that before you were, before you were formed in your mother's womb, the Lord knew who you were, and He had He had a purpose for your life. Talk about the value of a church tonight. We individually, uh, individually have value, but as a church, what is the value of a church? Let's go to Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 17. Matter of fact, let, can we back up? I know I gave you that scripture. Can we back up a few? Um, let's go to verse 10. Can you go to verse 10? And now also the axe is laid into the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. And comest thou to me? Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending upon him, descending like a dove, and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This is just another uh, uh, stamp of, of confirmation of when somebody is born of the water and born of the Spirit, what God thinks of them. It's no different with you and with I that when we are filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in the name of Jesus, it was on the waters of baptism that the Holy Ghost descends. This is what happened. This outlines, is basically Acts 2.38. Repent, be baptized, Holy Ghost. 
the, the Spirit of God, as in the very first part of Genesis, the Bible says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. This was creation. This was beginning. And the same is true at the baptism of Jesus and Acts 2.38. Jesus comes up out of the water as he's baptized, and the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended upon him like as a dove, and then there's a voice. And the voice says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. It was at the baptism and the dissension of the Holy Ghost that the voice of God affirms the person Jesus Christ in front of everybody that's there. The voice wasn't for Jesus. The voice was for John. And for everybody that witnessed it there. But the approval of the Father came upon him in front of everybody, but as he came up out of the water. Let me tell you tonight that if you obey Scripture, you are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost like Peter preached. You have the approval of the Father on your life. He says the same thing about you that he did to Jesus in Matthew chapter 3. He looks down upon you and he says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The approval of the father will come upon anybody that is born of God. You haven't even done anything for God yet. In that moment, before you have done anything, it's the same thing as a parent when they witness the birth of their child. Their child has done nothing, but they approve. It brings them joy. Now, every parent knows that eventually, at some point in time, your child's going to do something that, that, that is wrong and that they need to be corrected for. We know our children are not perfect, but they are perfect to us. And the same is true of every individual, even though you may have made mistakes. Your heavenly father still loves you. He may not approve of everything you've done, but if you have obeyed scripture, there is approval upon your life. If you are walking in obedience and you're walking to the very best of your ability to obey the word of God and your heart's desire is, God, I want to please you. He looks down upon you and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He may at sometimes talk to you and say, hey, we got to fix this and we got to fix that. We need to clean this up. We need to work on this. Yeah, that voice is going to come. But, but his approval of who you are. We've got to get to the point where our identity, we let the Lord deal with who I am. Me. Me. Before he sent Jeremiah, he told him, before I formed you in the belly, I knew you. And I ordained you a prophet. That had nothing to do with his perfection, imperfection, lack thereof, whatever. But he ordained him. He knew who he was. The approval of God. But, many, but there are so many Christians that feel, and I did the same thing for a long time too. And I, I you know, I, I can't think of the moment right at the top of my head. I think it was, for me, it was more of a progressive thing as I just sought after the Lord, maybe it was a progressive revelation for me of where I begin to really feel like God loved me. Like he approved of me. The difference between my actions and me. The inner me. It's, so many Christians live their life basically, understand what I'm saying, with their head down, thinking God doesn't love me, God's mad at me, God hates me, God's disappointed in me, I'm not good enough. We live in the generation, everything that we see in the world is pointed at humanity and in one way or another it says you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not successful enough. You don't have the right physique. You don't have the right job. You don't have the right skill set. You don't. You, you're always lacking. You're all. And in, 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 in our social media generation, it just it's just blown sky high to a whole nother level. And so many people live their lives feeling like, man, I just don't measure up. I don't. I don't. I'm not good enough. I. I. I'm lacking. God wants to deal with us as a body in this area right here of your identity. 
who you are in Jesus Christ. You will never be free, truly free, until you're able to get a fresh revelation of how God sees you, not how the world sees you, and not even how you have seen you, but how he sees you and how he feels about you, about his approval upon who you are as a son of God as a child of God, as a joint heir with Christ. This will have everything to do with how you contribute to the body. You you have to allow the Lord to deal with you. Let's go to Proverbs 31, and I'm going to try and wrap it, tie it together. Proverbs 31, verse number 10. This isn't going to make a whole lot of sense for a minute. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She is like the merchant's ship. She bringeth her food from afar. She riseth also while it is yet night and giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands. She planteth a vineyard. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands to the spindle, and her hands hold the distaff. She stretcheth out her hand to the poor, yea, she reacheth forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and in her tongue is the law of kindness. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also And he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. What does that have to do with what we're talking about here tonight? Well, throughout the word of God, and most of you know this, Not everybody, but most of you. That in the word of God, the church is, in typology, we are in the feminine. And God is in the masculine. So, I don't believe it's doing injustice to scripture. Just to go through and reread this. And in in the place where it talks about her. Is just to replace that with the church. There is... God is worthy of all the praise, hear me, but according to this here, the virtuous woman is worthy of praise too when she's doing what she needs to be doing to be productive. In this, in, in, in the Bible days, the men were the one that carried the name. They carried all everything uh, as far as like working outside of the house and providing for their family, and it, it was a different day, and... Uh, in some regards, but what it's talking about, and really, I forget what scripture it is. I have to look back at it. Uh, it says, she eateth not the bread of idleness. Uh, that kind of encapsulates a lot of what that particular portion of scripture is. Is she, while she is at home, she is virtuous. Basically, you're saying she is giving back to her home. She's not just sitting and receiving what her husband is providing. I'm thankful for the blessings of God. God will provide. The principles of God are true, that he will provide for us. However, I'm not just here to receive. 
the church should also be named just like this, as a virtuous woman. That, that, we are, that we are not eating the bread of idleness. That we are constantly, and you can go down the list of things, I, I, I can't recite everything that it talks about that she does, but it talks about all the things that she does to give back to her family, that, she, that her husband is known in the gates, and he has a, a, a good name, and it's partly because of her. In this earth, there are people that we will run into that they will make a decision about him based upon what they see about us. They don't see him. He's invisible, but they do see his bride. They do see the woman that is supposed to be virtuous, a woman that is giving out, that is ministering, that out of that, that she'll find things to do to be a blessing to her home and all of the things that she does. She eats not the bread of idleness, and it, and it tells us what a virtuous woman looks like, a woman that is not just there to receive and that is self-absorbed. That is the culture that has, has so dominated us even more in the last 10 years, so just self-absorption. Self, 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 self. It's increasing. And a, a, a wife is meant to be provided for and loved. That's what the Word of God commands. The, the Bible commands a, a, a man to love his wife as Christ loved the church. But what she does with that love is completely up to her. What she does with what he has given is completely up to her. And as the bride of Christ, who we are, whether or not I can be a, a, a virtuous individual as a part of the body, if we are to be a virtuous woman, a virtuous bride, a, 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 the bride of Christ here in the earth before the bridegroom comes, are we eating the bread of idleness or are we self-absorbed? Am I so caught up with me and I can't get over me and I can't conquer me and I can't get healed over my past wounds and I just can't get over that, that, that bad relationship and I just can't forgive that person that hurt me and I'm so self-absorbed that I can't give anything to the body. I can't be the virtuous woman that is going about doing what she needs to do as the body of Christ. Talk about the value of a church is really wrapped up in Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31. Her value. The Bible says her value is above rubies, a virtuous woman. Anybody can set and let somebody else do the work. Anybody can set and, and let somebody else be the contributor. But a virtuous woman, the bride of Christ, that is giving and planting and, and, and doing what she needs to do and contributing and being a blessing. And there's a flow of the Spirit of God that comes through her to everybody that's around her. And she has, a, she has a, a, an impact on how his name is recognized and upon his reputation. As the bride of Christ, we, we come together collectively. But if, if, if I am hung up with me, if I can't conquer me, I can't come into a place where I am joined to the body of Christ and as, a bride, as the part of the bride of Christ, I can't fulfill that role as the virtuous woman. We are all sons of God. I heard somebody say this, and I'm just about done. I got, I'm just about done with my first point. That's a joke. Let's stand, actually. I heard somebody say this a while back, and I've, and I've, I've just, one of these things I've chewed on, because it's so true. If I get my feelings hurt every 10 minutes, God will comfort me, but he will not promote me. 
God will help me. He'll pat me on the head. He'll love me. I'll still be his, I'll still be his son. But if I've got a problem every 10 minutes with somebody that said something to me or somebody hurt my feelings or, or whatever, whatever, whatever. If I can't get over me, if I can't get over me, if, I, if I'm too prideful to worship, God will love you, but he will not promote you. If, if you never develop a prayer life, God will love you, but he will not promote you. If you, if, you, if you exist off the blessings of somebody else, God will love you, but he won't promote you. God is wanting to bring everybody into a place of contribution as the virtuous woman, as his bride. I think my dad said it recently. No, it was at my, was at my grandfather's funeral. He was talking about a situation my dad was trying to get my grandpa to buy a car. He found this a great deal in some car. Tried to get my grandpa to buy it. He just kind of blew him off. Well, my dad went and told his mom. And she told him. Pretty soon he was driving a new car. And the moral of the story is, is the bride has more influence than the children do. My kids could want to go to the park or something. And I could be not wanting to go. And they could ask, ask, ask. And all it takes is just one look from a certain person. And I'm convinced that that's the best decision to make. <laughs> the bride has more influence than the children do. Something about that woman, the way she, the way she looks at me, And that's the way the body of Christ is with him. Children can ask, 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 but it's a different thing when the body, when we come together as the bride of Christ and we do what, and we become, not do, but become what Proverbs 31 is talking about. But I can't become a, a, a virtuous individual as a part of the bride if I'm self-absorbed. It's, this is not about trying to get somebody to sign up for something. This is about identity. Because somebody can have a big job or a small job, but if they are self-absorbed, there's no virtue flowing out of them. But somebody can have a really, really small, quote-unquote, job in the kingdom, but somebody that has, that has gotten everything out of the way so that there's a pure flow of the Holy Ghost and there's virtue that just flows through them and ministry flows through them. You can't, you can't teach ministry. You can't teach it. Ministry only happens when I have gotten everything out of the way so that his spirit can flow through me. Hope this has been all right tonight. I had zero notes and three scriptures. So go ahead and be seated. I'm just about done. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Stand. Come around the front. I'm done. I'm done. There is a culture change in the spirit that's happening in this church right now. It's happening right now. It doesn't matter what our vision is. Hear me. It doesn't matter what the vision is. Culture destroys vision 10 times out of 10. Who we are wins every time against what we want to do. But as individuals, God is wanting to use us on a greater scale than he ever has. But God cannot use me if I'm hung up with me. I, I cannot be a person that, that there's a flow of the Holy Ghost out of if there's something within me that I have ignored and just said, I'm just going to leave that and not deal with it. Before you were formed in the belly, God knew you. Jeremiah didn't get a pass beyond his imperfections. 
He was as much human as anybody else. But there, had, there was something within him that he, or, that he was able to overlook who he was as an individual and focus on the approval of God. But it's impossible to receive his approval if I hate myself because of past mistakes and I can't forgive myself or I can't forgive that ex that treated me wrong or I, 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 I had a run-in with my, my kids and I, we're just not on the same page and we just, we just where there's sparks that fly and or whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is. We've got to want to be that virtuous woman that says, God, I want to be who you want me to be. I don't want to just do a job for you. But if I can be who you want me to be, I will accomplish much in the kingdom effortlessly because it's his spirit that does the work. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord right now. In Jesus' name, let's lift up our voice to the Lord. Lord, help us tonight. Lord, clean us out. Lord, cleanse us. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus.